Well, church, it is good to be in the house of the Lord with you again by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a very significant day. It's a very special day for our church as today officially kicks off our Easter mini-series that we'll be doing for the next uh, few weeks. And it starts off the series which is entitled Reconciled. It's entitled, titled Reconciled, as you'll see there. And today's message kicks everything off. It's where everything starts. And it's entitled Accessed by Faith. Accessed by Faith, and it's Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. If you do not have a Bible with you, then please put your hand up nice and high because our ushers are coming forward right now. And we want to put one in your lap. Okay, we want to make sure that you can follow along with God's word. We're going to be diving into it. And so if you do not have one, just raise your hand and one of our ushers along the side will be happy to give that to you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, I want to encourage you, that's a gift from us to you. Take it home so you can continue to study the word of God on your own as well. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 5. And before we dive in to that text this morning, I have a question for you. That sets the stage from everywhere where we're going from here, and it is this. What or who are you putting your faith and your hope in today? Just think about that. Do you ever think how much faith we put in different things? What or who are you putting your faith and hope in today? Maybe for some of us here, we're putting our faith in other people coming through for us. Maybe for some of us here, we're putting faith in our job. If I can just get to that next rung of the ladder, then, then I'll have the hope that I'm after and the peace that I'm after. Putting our faith in staying employed. What about some of us might be putting our faith in our finances and money? As long as I got, as long as I got some money in the bank, then everything can keep on going. But as soon as I get nervous about that, things get derailed pretty fast. Or here's one in in a moment of vulnerability. This is one I have to fight against every day, and it is this. Uh, How many of us are putting faith in ourselves? If I just work harder, if I just try to be everything to everyone, things are going to go good. But the moment I can't be, and the moment my effort doesn't work out, things get derailed very quickly. Is that you? I have to fight against that every day. But here's the thing, loved ones. We live in a world right now, and I think you'd agree with me, we live in a world right now that screams at us messages of what we should put our faith and our hope in. Like this, I saw this message this week, and you'll see it on the screen. It says, the strongest factor for success is self-esteem. Believing you can do it, and believing you deserve it. I'll just leave it up there for a moment and let that hang out there. The strongest factor for success is self-esteem. Believing in yourself, you can do it, and believing that you actually deserve it. Have you ever heard that before? You deserve this. Have it your way. You deserve this. Okay, as you're looking at that, I want to follow that up with this. What if I told you that every part of that statement is a complete lie? Would you believe it? Every part of that statement is a complete lie. 
and that all these things, this quote included and everything else that this world encourages us to put our faith in are actually twisted deceptions of the greatest truth of where or more importantly who our faith and hope are to be in, Jesus Christ. Twisted deceptions. We make ourselves the God. Our self-esteem is important, which is no more than pride. They're just deceptions of what we are called to put our faith in and who it is to be in. And the message of Easter, this is why I love Easter. I love it. You guys get fired up about Easter? I love Easter. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because Easter is an invasion of truth into our lives. You know this? It's an invasion of truth into our lives whereby God made a way for us to be reconciled to himself or that means brought into a right relationship with him for all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's awesome news this morning. Awesome news this morning. And make no mistake, loved ones, make no mistake. This is the greatest truth of all time. It just is. I was saying to our elders this morning in prayer, I was like, prepping this message this week. Like, how do you even do it justice? This is the greatest truth. God reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is why Easter is a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Keep the bunny. Give me Jesus. And what we will see here from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 as he writes to the church in Rome is a clear picture of what being reconciled to God means for our lives. And the hope that we have been given access to by faith for all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Love this. Let's pick it up. Romans chapter 5 starting at verse 1. Peace with God through faith. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, that is Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This just keeps getting better. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. One of the richest texts. Oh, that's beautiful. So what does it mean to be reconciled to God as we're talking about here? Well, being reconciled to God, first off, means this. By faith, we are justified through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1 again. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Stop right there. Full stop. (laughs) Do you realize how much is in that one statement? Since we have been justified by faith. Faith. We have to stop here because it's massive and we can't just skip over the greatest truth of all time without diving into it. Okay? Now the therefore, you'll see right out of the gate, therefore, it implies that there are implications for us based on what has just been said previously in the verses before it. I, if I could break it down like this, it's a based on what has just been said previously, here are the implications for us as believers. So every time you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to circle it because I got a clue into what was just said before that. Okay? 
So what did he say before that? Just skip up to Romans 4, 24 and 25. Paul says this, but for ours also, here it is, it will be counted to us who, here it is, believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We could say it this way. We could say what Paul's saying right there this way. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their savior and believe he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, All those who put their faith in him have now received forgiveness for their sins and are justified by him before God. Just think about that for a moment. For all those who put their faith and trust in him. I don't know about you, but that shatters put your faith in your self-esteem. Put your faith in yourself. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, the Greek word for that word justify means this. It's two parts included in there. Write this down. This is huge. It means to be forgiven of our sin against God, who forgave us our trespasses, forgiven of our sin, and to be declared righteous or holy before him. To be forgiven of our sin, but yet to be declared righteous and holy before him. And as such, we are no longer subject, we are no longer subject because of this truth to the wrath of God and are no longer separated from him because of our sin. That's good news. That's the gospel right there for all those who put their faith in him. But as we see here, there are two parts of justification. Now, you know, I like to think that I'm a rather skilled artist and you get to share in some of my uh, drawings this week as we want to illustrate this because words just don't do it justice. So we need a picture of what's actually happening here. It means this, to be justified, the first truth as we saw means this, I am fully forgiven. So you see there, that is us on your left, totally sinful, unable to save ourselves. No matter how hard we work, no matter how much money we make, no matter how many friends we have, no matter how successful we are in school, no matter how many good deeds we do for others, we are totally sinful. Get this, but Jesus. But Jesus came and died on the cross for our sin and as we confess him as our Lord and Savior and confess our sins to him, he is able to, and faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now look what happens. Fully forgiven. Part one of justification is salvation where we say, I am fully forgiven of past, present, and future sins. And some of you may be here to be like, yeah, but you don't know what I did in the past. That was, that was not honoring to the Lord to say the least. That was bad. I've been shunned for that. You don't know what I'm currently engaged in, Ray. Doesn't matter. Jesus Christ took that one too. Fully forgiven. Not, okay, I'm going to forgive you if you work really hard to do it right and get over it. Mm -mm. Fully forgiven. 
Do you realize the freedom? That's what Galatians 5 says. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And not just the past, not just the sins we're currently engaged in, but future ones that we don't even know that we're going to do. That's magnificent. This was the work of Jesus Christ to justify us before God so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with him. We couldn't do it on our own. But it doesn't stop there. First part of justification is I'm fully forgiven. Past, present, future. And I just, it just begs the question. I just have to ask, like, even believers, like how often do we actually walk in that truth? Or are we still sitting under condemnation of what we've done in the past? Romans 8. There is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that is why. That's beautiful truth. That's what Easter's all about. Walking in the freedom that Christ has come to give us for those who put their faith in him. So there's a first part of justification. I'm fully righteous. But then look at the second part. It's this, I am declared righteous. God just doesn't, Jesus Christ just doesn't leave us forgiven. And so we're just like kind of neutral there. Well, I'm totally forgiven. Jesus takes it one step further and says, no, no, no. Now I'm going to put my righteousness on you completely. I'm going to put my righteousness on you so that when my father looks at you, he sees me and my perfect holiness. And I'm giving that to you so that you can have peace with God. Because a holy God cannot stand in the presence of sin. He doesn't stop at the forgiveness as if that wasn't magnificent enough. Then he gives us his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he, God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus Christ. Not ourselves, not by coming to church every week, but in him alone. To be justified in Christ means God no longer sees our sin. Sees us in our sin, but when he looks at us, he literally sees the perfect righteousness of his son. I don't know about you, I needed to hear that this week. I need to hear that every time I'm impatient with my kids. Like, that is the freedom that Christ came to give. Hey, 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 loved ones, before we move on, question, anyone fired up about Easter yet? Yeah, anyone, sorry, anyone fired up about Easter yet? Yeah, come on. So here's the thing, though. Some of us will look at that and they'll say, wait a second, but I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm not a bad person. Right? Like, why should this even matter to me? Why is this such a big deal? I'm a good person. I mean, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't killed anyone. I pay my taxes. I'll pay your taxes. It's tax season. I pay my taxes. And I'm sure, (laughs) you should see that guy that I work with. I'm sure I'm way better off than him. Him. 
Surely, when my life comes to an end, God will look at me and say, okay, okay, yeah, totally. You, uh, you totally rejected the whole reason that I came to save the world, but you were a pretty good person, so sure, come be with me for eternity. Doesn't work like that. It can't work like that. How do we know that? You'll see it on the screen, Romans 3.23. It says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned, you and me and everyone around and fall short of the glory of God. We need a savior. And what is, so what's the result of this? If I just keep putting my trust in myself, if I just trying to earn my way into heaven or try to be the good person that God will look on and say, yeah, okay, I'll bend a rule for you. Here, what's the result of that fruitless effort? Romans 6.23, you'll see it right below. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, see that free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It's available. I love how William Gurnall said this. He says, We are justified not by giving anything to God by what we do, but by receiving from God what Christ has done for us. We are justified not by giving anything to God by what we do, but by receiving from God what Christ has done for us. Let me ask you a question. How about you? How about me? Are we living out a justified life in Jesus Christ? Or are we still trying to put our faith and hope in things that will never last and trying to save ourselves on our own merit? And believers, those who have confessed Christ as their Savior already, we can fall into this trap as much as anyone. Just working harder, relying on ourselves, putting our faith, sitting in condemnation and guilt, forgetting the justifying work that God has done. And like, okay, so some of you may say, well, what does that even look like? How do we practically look, how does that practically work itself out in our lives? Well, praise the Lord, Paul tells us in these verses that are coming up, let's drill down and look at three things Paul states that it means to be justified, living out a justified life in Jesus Christ. The first one is this, I live in peace with God. There's a first thing. Look at 1B. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is, we have to understand, Paul isn't speaking here of some, you know, just some serene, calm mental state. I feel so at peace right now. No. What he's talking about here is that we are no longer separated from God and subsequently enemies of him because of our sin. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins, we are now brought into fellowship and in intimacy with him. Everyone say good news. Yes, that is the good news of the gospel. We live in peace. See, because here's the reality why this is so important. How many in this world do you think are are searching for peace right now? Maybe in this very room. If I just had peace, if I just had peace. But here's the reality about that. And this again, the deception that's been twisted is this. 
True peace can never be experienced without coming from the one true God. You can't have it. It doesn't exist. I love how C.S. Lewis stated it this way, God cannot give us peace apart from himself because there is no such thing. God can't give you peace. You will not find peace apart from him because there is no such thing. It doesn't exist. Ephesians 2.14 says, He is our peace. He, being Jesus Christ, is our peace. Oh, what beautiful truth. Three things that it means to live a justified life in Jesus Christ. Number one, I live in peace with God. And number two is this, I live by grace from God. I live by grace from God. Keep going, verse two. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You see, so some of you may be saying, well, I hear that term in church a lot, grace. What does grace actually mean? Okay, well, grace is just God giving us what we don't deserve. Okay, grace, God giving us what we don't deserve. Think about this, unmerited favor that we can now, notice he says that we stand on, that's huge, nothing random in the Bible by the way, just so you know, nothing random, that we can now stand firm on no matter what may come and enjoy every blessing that Christ promises in him literally every day of our lives. It doesn't stop in one moment. God's like, okay, I gave you the grace to save you and now there you go. No, God's like, hey, hey, hey. He's like, here it is, April 9th. Here's your grace you're going to need for today. April 10th, here's your grace you're going to need for today. April 10th, here's your grace you're going to need for this moment right here. Here's the grace you're going to need to parent your kids. Here's the grace you're going to need to study for the exam. Here's your grace you're going to need for your job. Here's the grace you're going to need for the conflict. Here's your... Ongoing. It's been poured out. God literally says, I have unlimited grace for you. I am grace. And I'm ready to give it to you. And you can't earn this. Stop trying to earn it, loved ones. I love you. You are my child. That's awesome. I don't know about you. I need that every moment. Again and again and again. The grace to stand here before you now. Every day of our lives, that's good news. See, God's grace doesn't, as if, it, and I'm not trying to d- diminish or minimize salvation here, but God's grace, it doesn't just save us. God's grace also sustains us. It saves us and sustains us. He never runs out of it. And this makes it so clear here, loved ones, that we are not saved or justified by anything that we could ever do. No matter how good we want to be, but only by confessing of our sin and putting our faith in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. I love how Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, just to make it clear if we didn't know it already, this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. It is the gift from God. 
It is the gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast and say, yeah, I worked hard enough to get with Jesus. We can't earn it or ever be good enough to receive it. And we never, loved ones, hey, hey, can we just stop trying to prove ourselves to God? Hey, God, I got in my Bible seven days this week. I made it to church every Sunday this month. This is what we need here. A.W. Tozer said this so beautifully. You're going to see this quote on the screen. And he says, he puts it so beautifully. And this is only half the quote. I ran out of screen. It's so good. He says this, Jesus Christ came not to condemn you, but to save you. Knowing your name. Just stop right there. He knows your name. I don't know all of your names, but he does. Knowing your name knowing all about you, what you've done in the past, what you're currently engaged in, and what will come. He knows your weight right now. He knows your age, knowing what you do, knowing where you live, knowing what you ate for supper and what you will eat for breakfast, where you will sleep tonight, how much your clothing cost, who your parents were. He knows you individually as though there were not another person in the entire world. He died for you as certainly as if you had been the only lost one. He knows the worst about you and is the one who loves you the most. This, loved ones, look up here for a moment. This is amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. This is amazing grace. Three things that it means to live a justified life in Jesus Christ. Number one, I live with peace in God. Number two, I live by this grace from God. And number three, it leads to this, I live with hope in God. Keep going on verse two. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of of God. You see, this is not the type of hope our world offers us. Thinking like this, well, I hope things work out. I hope the next decision by our leaders is going to work out well. I hope it goes this way in the situation I'm in. But rather, rather, here's the hope Paul's talking about here. Hope grounded in Jesus? Come on, win. This is hope that we can take full confidence in and rejoice in knowing that our future is secure in Jesus Christ no matter what happens. And one day, best part, ready? One day, here's our hope, that we will share in his glory with him. Regardless of what's coming. I don't know what's coming after this church service. I don't know what phone call we're gonna get. I don't know. It doesn't matter. 
Because our hope and future is secure in Jesus Christ. And when you know you have a God of the universe in full authority that's ready to pour out the grace you need for every situation and you're never walking alone in that ever again, you can rejoice in your hope. You can rejoice in the hope that no matter what happens, your future is secure with him for eternity and you will share in his glory. Amen? Amen. And so how about you? How about you? Are you living a justified life in Jesus Christ? And for some of you here today, you've never made that decision to follow him. And I got to tell you a couple things. First off, you're not here by accident. You say, well, I was dragged here by my parents. No, actually, God brought you here. Because he's like, loved one, here. See my love in action. It's for you. I know all about you. But I covered it on the cross to raise you in new life with me. So have you ever made that decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Listen, and, and you may be here saying, well, yeah, but if I do that, then this and this and this. Yeah, some things will change because it changes your life. And he's worth it. He's always worth it. But for some of us who've already made that decision to follow him, this hit me this week. I pray you're challenged with it as well. If you have already surrendered your life to Christ, are you living in an everyday awe of this truth? Isn't it so easy just to go about your business, never recognize it? Why do we get so anxious, even as believers? Why do we start to worry so much? Why do we start to doubt so much? Because we're not living in awe of this truth. This is the reality that God has given us through his son. And are we standing firm in the peace, in the grace, and the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ each day? Or have we lost? Have you lost? Have I the awe of it? And we're still living in the anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, and condemnation from past sin and pursuing the things of this world, making other things a priority over the Lord himself. And I'm reminded of the beautiful lyrics of that song that we sang this morning, and it begs the question, um, where is he asking you today to set your heart on him again? You have every part of me. I set my heart on you. Where is that? You see, to be reconciled to God means that by faith I am justified through Jesus Christ. And because of that beautiful truth, it also means this, point two is this, by faith, I can rejoice with hope through my sufferings. Because I've been justified, fully forgiven, and declared righteous before God Almighty himself, brought into relationship with him, I can now rejoice in my sufferings. Look at verses three to five. It goes on to say this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. See, this ball's rolling now. It's going. Here we go. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice there, he says this, rejoice, We rejoice in verse 3 in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. See, Paul says that because of the justification we've been given through Jesus Christ, we can now rejoice in the midst of our sufferings no matter what they are. Now, I have to qualify that with this, okay? This isn't some hey, I love having trials mentality Paul's talking about. I love going through suffering. It's really great when I'm hurting. It's not what he's talking about. The Bible also says that we are to weep with those who weep. Trials and sufferings are hard. And I don't know for a lot of you what trials or sufferings you're going through right now. But I want you to know this. Jesus keeps every tear in a bottle, Isaiah says. And every sigh you make, he writes in his book, and he doesn't forget it. Because he loves you. That's amazing grace. And so this by no means is meant to just ignore sufferings that we go through and pretend like they're not happening. Mm -mm. That defeats some of the greatest work of God in our lives of coming alongside and his healing. But we can now rejoice in the midst of the suffering. We're not neglecting it. We're not ignoring it, but we're rejoicing in the midst of it. Okay, listen to this. That word sufferings there. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, verse three says. The Greek word there means pressure. Anyone feeling under pressure here right now? Anyone feeling anxious? It means pressure, feeling hemmed in. And commentators say that these pressures can include both the pressures or suffering we receive for our faith in Christ, when people tease us about that or reject us because of that or or alienate us because of that, but also the pressures, pain, and suffering that we encounter in our everyday lives. And regardless of which ones we're facing, what we see in the is next is the three fruits of faithful suffering that God through his Holy Spirit produces in us if we are faithful to trust him through the sufferings. Three fruits of faithful endurance. Faithful suffering. Ready? Number one, endurance. Look at three. Three B. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces Endurance. That word there means perseverance or patience to remain under the pressure without giving in. To remain under the pressure. It's getting hard. It's difficult. You don't know if you can get another day out of this. But to remain under that faithful suffering produces endurance. And while this world screams, quit when it gets hard, just quit. Just go do something else. Take the easy way out. Just quit. God says, trust me when it gets hard because I love you and my grace is sufficient for you. 
I love you. Don't quit in the suffering. Trust me in the suffering because my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in your weakness. You are mine. Your future is secure. I will not give you more than you can handle when I'm with you. Amazing grace. First fruit of faithful suffering is endurance. The second one we see here is it develops in us character. Look at character. Not only that, verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Verse 4, and endurance produces character. That term character means tested value. Okay, And it's the same word that is used for testing the purity of metals as they go through fire. Okay, Tested value. And you know what hit me this week is I realized this. Trials are always the greatest testing ground of our character. Trials are always the greatest testing ground of our character. And oftentimes, trials are the greatest mantles for God's glory in our lives. If we faithfully trust him through it. And where our world says, avoid it, don't go for trials, make it easy. You deserve an easy life. Where the world says, avoid trials at all costs, Christ says, I'm with you in it. I'm with you, loved one. Someone just needs to hear that today. Like Christ is with you, loved one. Right there where you're at. I needed that this week too. Three fruits of faithful suffering. Number one, endurance it produces. Number two, character. Now look at the next part. Verse four again, hope. Faithful suffering produces hope. Look at verse 4. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope. And hope does not put us to shame. As stated earlier, this isn't just some wishful thinking, but rather having confidence that is sure of the outcome and will never put us to shame. Okay, this hope. Oh, I hope things will get better. Uh uh-uh. uh. This is a confidence in Jesus Christ. That we will never be put to shame. Why? Why is this? Look at verse 5. He goes on to tell us, part, part B, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, the, through the love of God, through Jesus Christ, he has given to us the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't just stop. As if salvation wasn't enough. As if being fully forgiven wasn't enough. As if getting all his righteousness wasn't enough. He now takes it one step further and he says, here's the Holy Spirit I'm giving to you to be your comforter and your helper, and your guide, and your strength, and your power. In every single trial or suffering that we face, we are never alone in Jesus Christ. We are never alone. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how much pressure comes. God will never let you fail when you keep abiding in him, holding fast to him. He will see you through because he promises that and we will never face our trials and sufferings alone and we know that God will always use them for good as we trust him. You ever been in that trial when you don't know, oh, this is going south and I don't see what God's teaching me in this. But then you get down later on, you look back and be like, oh, that's what he wanted. Is that just me? Just me? Just me? 
Yeah. Isn't it amazing? So it's not, he just doesn't give us salvation. He doesn't just give us his righteousness. He doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit. He now promises to use everything for good, for his glory. That's amazing grace. So live in the text. Live in the text for a moment. Some, some, some of you may be here this morning saying, okay, reality check, Ray. Hey, reality check. There's one thing for you to say that, but you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea what I'm going through or the pain and suffering that I've gone through in the past. Maybe some of you are here and you've walked away from the faith. You're like, I'm done living for Jesus. I've heard all about it. No, no thanks. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, why would I even trust in him? I mean, how can you say that God will use this circumstance I'm struggling with for my good and trust him through it, let alone rejoice through it? How can you say that? I mean, it seems to me that Christians live in just some feel-good dream world where they can use their God as little more than a crutch to lean on and live in ignorance of the trial or suffering and reality that's going on around them. How can you say that? And to that I, I say this. I agree with you on this. Ready? That suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain God is for you and with you. I agree with you. Suffering is unbearable if you're not certain God is for you and with you. And this is why as Christians we hang on to the promise of God that states from Isaiah 41.10, you'll see it on the screen, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will uphold you, I will help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Right there where you're at. I will help you. You literally, you and I have the power of eternity, the power of a loving God, infinite, walking us through that trial. You see, when our hope is in Jesus Christ and we're living a justified life in him, we don't ignore, this is not an ignorance of the trial or suffering we're facing. We don't try to run away from it. Rather, by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can embrace him in the trial and rejoice that he is for us. Hear this today. He is for us. He is with us. And he's using it for his glory and our good. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens? The moment that truth kicks in, when the enemy's pounding on you with discouragement when he's pounding on you with doubt and anxiety and worry and fear the moment this truth kicks in right here our prayer starts to change you know what happens we start to change it from lord change my circumstance that i'm in to now this lord change me in the circumstance so that your power glory and presence are seen in my life through it don't change a circumstance change me in it because I trust you that you will not let it go on one more second than you have ordained to do your good work in me. So how about you? Last question today. How about you? How about me? What is your hope put in today? in that trial or suffering you're facing. Because from the world standard, there's no reason to rejoice in any suffering or trial whatsoever. Do everything you can to avoid it. But as you and I both know, that fails because we're gonna go through suffering. We're gonna go through trial. So what are you putting your hope in today through that? Maybe, as I mentioned off the top, maybe some of us are putting our hope in money. 
If I just get enough, then I'll be at peace. Maybe we're putting our hope in our spouse, treating us a certain way, giving us respect that we want, serving us the way we want. Maybe some of us are putting it in our job. Here's my hope in my job. What happens if you lose it? Maybe some of us are putting in our ability to work really hard, maybe in the government, or, or here's one. Maybe some of us are putting our hope in other people's perceptions and opinions of us. As long as they think we're good, I'm good. It's time to step out of the rat race. We were never meant to live that way. And we don't have to in Jesus Christ. And all of these things will put us to shame and fail to deliver every time. And none of them will ever give us a lasting reason to rejoice. Why? Here's why. And we close with this. Because all these things and countless others like them are all based on what we or others attempt to do but can never last. And none, hear this, and none of those things are based on what Christ has already done. World says, do, 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 do. And Jesus says, done. Done. And all those other things are not based on what Christ has done for us on the cross and the hope that he's given us that will last for eternity for all those who put their faith and trust in him alone. To be reconciled to God means that by faith I'm justified through Jesus Christ. And by faith I can rejoice with hope through my sufferings. This is the greatest truth of all time. And this is the message of Easter. Amen? How will you respond to him today? Worship team, come on up and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I confess that there are so many days when I don't walk in the reality of living a justified life in Jesus Christ. I try to do it myself. I'm stuck in the rat race. I'm sitting in guilt and condemnation. I'm sitting in fear. And God, you call us out of that because Jesus has paid it all and it is in Christ alone where our hope is found. God, forgive us when we put it in other places, misplaced, distorted deceptions of where our true hope is to lie. Father, I pray that as your word went forth today, you'd now be pressing it into our hearts and we'd be asking ourselves the questions, where is my hope in? What have I been trusting in for deliverance, for peace, for hope, fulfillment, which only you can give? And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that as your spirit works and as we sing this last song together, this would be an anthem, Lord, over your church and over our lives. Lord, continue your good work now because it is in Christ alone where we find our strength. It is Christ alone we find our hope and it is in Christ alone that secures us for eternity with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.